Hi everyone, welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast. I'm your host Spencer Lodge and it's my job to make the time you're about to give me as valuable as possible. My job here is to share content I've made from across my endeavors and ventures as an entrepreneur and bring you stories, lessons and insights from my conversations with some great achievers in business and personal development. I'm an author and CEO of the Blue Sky Thinking Group here in Dubai, and I'm a really passionate content creator, also on my own creative journey. And with so much going on, this show is a way for me to funnel out the value from all of the work my team and I are doing so that we can share it with our audience online in an easy audio format. For those that attend my seminars or follow me on social media, this is just some extra material so you can get stuck into it on your own journey in business, sales, personal development, or whatever aspect you are working on in improving your life. In today's episode, I'll be doing that by sharing an interview I did with Matt Wilson, who is the CEO of a company called Einstein Marketer. We recorded this last week in the French Alps while we were skiing together. So uh, Matt really is a well-known figure in the industry of digital marketing and online advertising. And uh, we were introduced through a friend of ours called Ben Stretcher. Now I'll share more on the content when I come back at the end of the interview. The interview lasts around about 45 minutes and I really, really enjoyed it because Matt is just a bundle of energy. He's the most positive guy you could ever meet and he's always looking for the opportunity that exists in online marketing. And he's got a really interesting backstory that goes with it, you know, how he got into it himself some, I think, eight or nine years ago now. There's a lot of incredible takeaways, especially if you're currently um, looking at developing your content strategy, looking to advertise and market online, if you're looking to generate leads or build client bases uh, or even databases online. So I'm sure you're going to be able to take a lot from it and benefit from the knowledge that he's got. Now, if you've enjoyed several of these podcasts, or even if it's your first one, I'd really love you to rate and review this show. Ideally, a five-star rating on Apple Podcast or some love in the SoundCloud comments. You know, it will all help to get this show more and more discovered. So if you're ready to get stuck in, I hope you enjoy the interview with Matt Wilson. Remember, at the end of the interview, I'll be back to tell you more about how the interview took place, what I've learned and applied, and share a few extra notes about the content. So without further ado, let's enjoy Matt Wilson. So you're the CEO and the founder of Einstein Marketer, yep. which is, um, I would say, a market leader in the area of sales funnels and lead magnets? We like to think so, yeah. Sales funnels, lead generation, any, basically, you know, any guys that need leads, events fill in a lot of the time as well. They want to build a list or generate sales for their products. They come to us. So how do you get into that? Quite a funny story, actually. My background is sales, so I used to be in like a hardcore sort of cold calling sales environment back in the day, early 20s. And we used to be calling through, you know know the game, we used to be calling through lists of people that literally had no idea who we were or why we were calling them. And you know, we used to have to call two, 300 people a day on these lists and we were getting told to, you know, do one. We were getting told, you know, people swearing at us down the phone telling us to get lost. And you know, after about a year of it, I was good at it even though we were calling people that literally didn't have a clue who we were, what we were selling or why we were calling them. So it just started going through my mind like there must be a better way. And I found out that the company I was working for at the time, we were we were selling investment packages. I found out at the time they were paying like, in some cases, like hundreds of pounds for these leads just for one name and number. And I was like, this is ridiculous because most of them just hang up on you. So I just, it's got my brain ticking. I was just like, there must be a better way to generate some some better quality leads, at least leads that know, not not know that we're gonna call them, but you know, what we've got to offer them is at least relevant to them, you know, and they've, they've got some sort of interest in it. So I approached my directors at the time and said, look, you guys spend a lot of money on, on leads. You know, I've been studying, at that time I started researching and studying Google AdWords, uh, which was the biggest sort of advertising platform on the planet at the time. And I approached them and said, look, you know, why don't you give me a little bit of your budget? You're spending tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands on leads every month. Give me a grand and let me go to work for you and see what I can do, see if I can get any good results for you. So they agreed to it. They gave me a thousand pounds test budget, which I spent on Google AdWords. For that, we generated about 30 leads, I think. So under 50 pound a lead, we got like 30 names and numbers, but they'd give us their information. That was the difference. They gave us their information. And out of those leads, I think they ended up getting through, they got through to over half of them, which as you know, is one of the biggest problems, getting them to answer the phone. And they closed, out of those leads, they closed four leads out of those leads that we generated for them. 
which was you know 10 10 grand a deal you know minimum normally so from that grand we made them like you know 30 grand so they were well happy so then after that they gave me more of their budget and more of their budget i just fell in love with marketing so i just went to work learning everything i could about marketing i just fell in love with it you know just absolutely fell in love with the 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 idea of being able to get someone from where they are right now online getting them interested in a product ready to be sold to you know i just got obsessed with it so i I just started doing it a lot more learning a lot more and in the end you know 10 years later i'm doing it for myself now running a company so that's sort of how we got into it yeah when you think about that to me it's really interesting because this was 10 years ago yeah this was 10 years ago now there's people still to this day that have no idea what you do and what people in your industry do yeah 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 still doing what you were doing 10 years ago when you were pulling your hair out then and just what just cold calling people yeah oh absolutely most companies still are why yeah i don't know i had no idea probably because they haven't been on our blog and read any of our posts about how to do it themselves (laughs) do you do you you think that's just like born out of naivety or do you think that comes from just a, a lack of of evolution within a business and because so many businesses die eventually anyway don't they yeah yeah i think it's a mixture of both definitely naivety like a lot of people will go in thinking that's the only way you know my company that i worked for at the time and loads of other companies out there to this day still think it's the only way to cold call lists that you buy a list of people that know nothing about you but i also think it's to do with people over complicating what marketing is and that fault a lot of the time lies in the marketing agencies out there that try to overcomplicate what they do. So one of the biggest things that we're most passionate about with Einstein Market, we've got a blog, right? We post, we do post blogs, videos, educating our market on what we do. We're basically teaching people what we do, which effectively could put us out of business at some point. If everyone, you know, learns to do what we do for themselves, they wouldn't need us to do it for them, right? But I think it's really, really important because there, there's a lot of guys out there that are making it too complicated so that you hire them as a marketing agency, for instance, yeah? And they're very shady and sort of like disguise what they do. They're not like transparent with what they're doing for you. So they make it out like it's this big, hard thing that, you know, oh yeah, you need to hire us to generate these really quality leads because it's, it's technical and it takes a lot of work. No, it doesn't. It's easy and anyone can do it. So, you know, we're trying to solve that problem with our blog by, by educating our market, giving out free information on how to do it themselves. And we do, we have lots of people that, that, that write into us saying, look, your blog's helped, helped me massively. I'm generating my own leads now. You know, we're getting leads coming in through Facebook, through LinkedIn, all these other advertising channels uh, because of the blogs we've written. But the beautiful thing is with what we do as well, a lot of the time it goes the other way and we show people what to do. So it positions us as an expert. So guess what? People are lazy. They come to us anyway and say, do it for me because now they know we're the experts because we've taught them how to do it first. So I suppose I suppose that people want to know how to do it, but people don't go ahead and do it because of that kind of fear that it's going to take a lot of their time, a lot of lot of stuff they've got to learn while they could be doing other stuff. Yeah, which is fine. Like It's obviously fine. You know, A lot of the time you want to hire an expert. You want to hire a company like us to do it for you, but you don't need to. That, that's my point. You, know, you can easily... Just go to EinsteinMarketer.com and just read. If you want to learn how to set up a Facebook campaign, just go there and just read all of the posts and watch the videos we've done on that. And you'll be able to do it competently. But if you want to take it to the next level, you do need to highlight an expert. But it's not, it's not as hard as people make it up, is my point. Yeah. Okay. Tell me, how does a funnel actually work? Okay, cool. So a sales funnel is basically designed to take a stranger that doesn't know you, your brand, your product or your service, to warm them up, to, to capture them first of all, right, leading normally with information, to educate them on what it is you do, why they might need you, and then after that, change that person, what we now call a lead, is then to turn them into a, into a customer, a paying customer. So it can be done in lots of different ways, but like a pure online sales funnel would look like you lead with free information and you offer them something of really high value first. So hold on, just go back because you've got to dumb this right down. Yeah. Okay. Where are these strangers? So a lot of the time they're on Facebook, Google. They're they're already on. They're online somewhere. Okay. So now, and like you know, most of our money at the moment in our agency is spent on Facebook. So our job is to take these because everyone's on Facebook, right? So let's say for instance us, our our um our target market is a small business. So we might target people that own a small business or directors or managers or something like that on Facebook. 
and we might show them some really good content offering something for free. And we say, here's a free guide on how to set up a Facebook campaign, yeah? So now anyone that downloads this, we now know as the agency that this person is interested in Facebook advertising, yeah? Because a lead magnet, the first thing you offer, the number one goal of it is to qualify your audience. This is what a lot of people get wrong when they do these things. They give away free information in exchange for a, a name and an email online, but it doesn't qualify your audience. So you're getting, you're getting a bad lead, basically. You're getting someone that's not interested. If we offer Facebook advertising services, like we'll do it for you, we want people that are interested or wanna know how to do Facebook advertising. So a guide on how to do your own Facebook advertising is a, a perfect qualifier for us. Why would they download this thing if they're not on some level interested in doing it? Mm -hmm. So that's a qualifier. Now we've got them. That then gives them really good value. It teaches them how to do it. Then through a you know, series of emails, text, maybe phone calls, we can then call these people up and say, look, how did you enjoy the guide on how to set up your Facebook avatar? Oh yeah, you know, I found it really, really helpful. Thanks for that. Okay, just out of curiosity, have you got anyone managing your Facebook advertising at the moment? bang, you're into a sales conversation straight away. Mm -hmm. Because you've led with value and qualification, they're primed for a phone call, you know, in, in like we were talking about earlier, industries that still do a lot of cold calling. They can use this strategy so that the person's qualified when they call them. What cold calling is at the moment, I believe, is basically a qualification. What your guys ha are hammering the phones are doing, they're qualifying. The first call's always quality. You know, is this person qualified for a second call? Right, did they answer? Yes. Did they not tell me to F off? Yes, brilliant. Okay, great. Now I might be able to call them back and potentially talk to them about our products. What an, you can do that without a human being. You can literally offer something online that qualifies them. And it's like when you see these people that have downloaded this guide, they're qualified. These guys have downloaded a guide on how to do Facebook advertising. They're, they're qualified for a call now. And that's the difference. And then a sales funnel then takes them right through the process till, till a transaction's made. Okay, understood. Now, talk to me about the difference between generating leads and running awareness campaigns. An awareness mm -hmm. campaign is to, in its title, to bring awareness to a particular product and service. But yep. why, if I'm selling office equipment or financial services or, or, or real estate, do I need to worry about that? Why don't I just worry about the leads? Okay, cool, yeah. So, just like we've qualified them with a lead magnet, we need to qualify them for the lead magnet. So, if you look at it on a map, how it looks is you've got uh, your awareness campaign here, which basically goes out to a big audience, yeah? So like, um, we, might, we might go onto Facebook and we might say, right, Facebook, show us everyone in Dubai who's interested in all of these things, is interested in small business, has a small business, is a director. We build like this profile, yeah? What we call a, a customer avatar. But this audience is, is gonna be massive. It's probably like a million people, yeah, let's say. So we've got a million people. We can't just go to that million people and offer them a lead magnet because there's a good chance a lot of them aren't going to be interested in this guide, using my example again, on how to set up a Facebook campaign. So what we can do on Facebook now, and this is amazing, and we've got a window of about two years where it's going to be this cheap, like so cheap. We can go to this big audience with content, and this is why content marketing and what you do is so good. You can go to them with content like a video. So I could go to them with a video, first of all, showing them how to set up a Facebook ad campaign. Because of the way Facebook is at the moment, we can run this uh, awareness campaign, what we call an awareness campaign, for so cheap. When I say cheap, we could, get, um, we could get a view for like half a penny. So someone watching this video, out of this million people that we've created, we can get someone watching that for half a penny. That means for 10 pounds, or however many dirhams, you can get 2,000 people watching your video. Now just think about that for a second, how crazy that is. You've got 2,000 people now that have seen your face, have seen your branding from your Facebook page. They now know you exist. They are aware you exist, right? And we've done that for a tenner. We've done that for 10 pounds. So now we've got that out of this million people, we've now got 2,000 of them for a tenner that have watched the video. Now that tells us that they're interested. Why would they watch the video if they weren't on some level interested? So now what we do, the next stage, we take those 2,000 people and guess who? Guess what we do with those people? They're the ones we show our ad to 
download our free lead magnet because getting a lead will cost you more on Facebook. If you don't, if, do that. if you go to a big, big, like say Facebook, out of this million people, find someone that wants this ebook. Whereas if we do it for ten pounds and say Facebook, we've found these two thousand people for you, show them my ad for the lead magnet, then not, the, the, your price per acquisition, your cost per lead is going to be a lot lower. And then can Facebook, on top of that, then take those two thousand people that have watched your video and you say to Facebook? find other people just like these people yeah exactly right so you can take your ten your two thousand people and make it ten thousand people quite easily yeah if called, you wanted to scale yeah it's called a look-alike audience so like facebook what and it's and it's basically what set facebook apart from any other platform out there google now does it similar but facebook come out of it first so how that works is you've got two thousand people that viewed your video you can say to facebook facebook find me more people in dubai who, who are like who look like the people that watch this video and then your video starts getting shown to people with this similar demographic. You know, they're both they're all between the ages of thirty and fifty. Um, you know, they're interested in these things. Uh, you know, whatever. It will come up with a profile and show your video to them. But more powerfully, though, after you've done, after you've then generated some leads and you've got let's say you've got two hundred names, emails, phone numbers now of people that have downloaded your thing. You can then go to Facebook with those people and say, Facebook, find me more people that look like my leads. Even more powerful, and everyone at home is going to love this one, you can upload your customers to Facebook, as in people that already have purchased your stuff, and say, Facebook, find me more people that look like this. And what they'll do is they'll take, let's say you've got a thousand customers, they'll profile your customer, and they'll say, your customer looks like this person. Great, Facebook, go and find me more people that look like that. Based upon demographics and psychographics? E everything, based on absolutely anything that they can find that's similar. They'll basically just match all of the similarities. And they'll say, all of, a lot of them have got uh, individuality, but all of them have got this in, uh, the, in that's similar, yeah, in common, which is like so powerful. And no one's doing that sort of stuff, you know. I still you know, take clients on board that have been running Facebook ad campaigns for two years, and they still haven't uploaded their customer list to create a lookalike for their customers. It's madness. You know, so a lot of people don't know, but that's so powerful. Think about how powerful that is. Mega, mega powerful, yeah. So you, you're also on a bit of a, a social media journey yourself. We see a lot of motivational videos coming from you recently. Yep. What was the reason for doing that? So the motivational, motivational videos, well, originally come out of like passion, you know. I, I love doing that sort of stuff. So there's no money in it or anything like that at the moment. I just love doing those types of videos to pump people up. All of the results that were, you know, all of the messages I was getting back from the motivational side of things anyway, were just life changing. You know, people were saying, oh my God, you've, you've saved my life and really intense things like that. But on a, on a sort of bigger, more strategic level, what I'm doing is I'm trying to build my own personal brand so that people know me and come to me and sort of look at me as a marketing expert, you know. So for the motivational side of things anyway, a lot of people that are interested in business, are interested in marketing sales, they're into motivation as well. So it's a way for me to get those people in a broader way, you know, because motivation, everyone can relate to motivation. Everyone can be inspired by a video. So it's, it's a way for me to generate my fans with motivation, basically. Um, but then the next step, if you watch my, like if you go on my Instagram, you'll see that every one in four videos is marketing specific. So they're coming in, they're finding me because it gets shared a lot more. It's a lot more viral content, motivational stuff. So it's getting shared a lot more, that stuff. That gets them in. Now they're following me because they've seen motivation, but then they see, oh, but Matt's an entrepreneur. He runs a business called Einstein Marketer. Bang, they're aware of Einstein Marketer. He's, uh, he's done a video on Facebook advertising, so he's an expert there. So I'm getting them in with the motivation, yeah, creating an audience that way, but then I'm creating fans and people that are following me and hopefully one day do business with me. <coughs> with the marketing content that I'll do, yeah. When you look at your clients, how, how much easier is it for you to do business with people that have, are aware of building their own brand and have started that journey themselves? Yeah, because if they don't have that, if they're not already doing that, then I get them to do that anyway because it's so important. That's why like you, you're a beast at creating content. You, know, you already do it. You know the importance of it. So a lot of people are already aware of you. But when people come to us and they don't have that, it's a part of it that has to be in place. So we have to then coach them and guide them on doing that. You know, like you've got Raj and, and his guys doing all of your stuff for you. 
we have to do similar sort of things for our clients. We have to say, look, we need we need more content because content's so important because it just makes people aware of you, you know, especially on Facebook. Social media, it, it, it's such a cluttered sort of um, environment to be in for advertising when people are just advertising stuff. All of the, the people that are winning on social media are the guys that are leading with content first. We've no, there's no agenda there whatsoever. It's just pure content because that's how you build an audience. Yeah, that's how you build a following by not selling to them. But you, you're, you're getting them ready. At some point, you can sell to them. Yeah, but the, the reason they started following you and the reason that they like you is because you led with content and you brought content to them. Yeah. There's lots of people out there that when it comes to producing content, a lot of people panic. They become paralysis from analysis, I say, yeah. about producing content. Where do I start? What do I do? How do I create content that, that you know, but what are people, my life's boring. Yeah. You know, I've got nothing important to say. I've got nothing to say. I don't know anything. I, I'm just a mortgage broker or I, I'm just a real estate agent or I'm just a car salesman. Yeah. You know, my life, there's, there's nothing there. Yeah. And so those people that get into that space, for me, it's just, just start educating people. Just start teaching people about what you know. Yeah. That's where I'd start. Just teach people what you know. Keep it really simple. Really start. simple. Really what, simple. What advice would you give Well, to I can people? really relate to it because I was exactly the same. We started Einstein Marketers blog in January 2017 because I didn't want to do video. Because I was scared of doing video. I didn't want to get in front of a camera and do it. So I wanted to go written. So we, we built that brand. Einstein Marketers now, you know, I think we're closing on 50,000 followers on, on Facebook. We're getting over 10,000 visitors to our site every month now, our marketing blog, in just over a year. And we did it all through the written word. So so you, first of all, you can, there is other ways to create content. Video is definitely the most powerful and the most engaging. So I knew that I had to do it at some point. So how I got past it, first of all, is I just started doing it. You know, the, the, easiest, the easiest thing to do is just to do it. And it's horrible the first time. I can still remember the first little content video I did, it was like a minute. You know, and the, and the best strategy for content videos is like really specific chunks of content. So one thing, you know, here's the, here's the top tip to X. You know, here's one way to do something, right? Um, and I remember doing it and just overanalyzing the video. I looked at the video, I looked at the video back and I hated my own voice. This is a big thing for people. When they first record themselves, they're gonna hate the sound of their own voice. Because how my voice sounds in my head now going out that way is different from when I hear my voice coming back in this way. And it sounds like a different person. I'm like, I don't sound like that. I sound terrible. I sound really <laughs> annoying. Like, it's horrible. But then after a while, the more times you hear it, the, the sound matches up. So now when I watch a video, it just sounds like me now. Yeah. But at first, it's like another person. And then you start overanalyzing what you said. You're like, oh, but wait, there might be someone else that doesn't agree with that. There might be someone. And this someone else that you're talking about, they don't exist. This is someone that you, you're scared is out there. And if, any, if anything, it's one person. You're always going to get a hater. You're always going to get people that don't like it. But always, so that I've found, there's 10 times more people that are grateful for that content that dislike it. So you've got to take your focus. Because I guarantee the main reason why you're not creating content out there and you're not getting in front of a camera and doing it is because you're worried about what either one person thinks or a little group of people think. That will be the reason. Might think. Might think. Yeah. If you're, if you're completely honest with yourself, that will be the reason. And it's, and it's getting your focus off of those people and saying the focus on the people that love it. Yeah, because what starts happening, you get fans as well. So then you start focusing on, right, I'm doing it now for these people. I'm not not doing it for these people over here. And that's what, and that's what happens over time. But you've just got to take that first step, really, because it's so, it's so powerful for your brand and your business just to get out there. If you're in real estate, for instance, you know, I mean, in Dubai, it's like, it's, it's so competitive out there, right? If you're one of the only guys out there every single day creating content, whether that's content around the houses that you've got available, with the deals that you've just done, anything, uh, even just office environment, you know, you can make, you can make just content out of the office. You could do some sort Vlogging. of, um, you could some sort of vlog about in the office, you know, your what you're doing subconsciously to the people that are viewing it is you're building no like and trust factor with your brand, all right? Next time someone either has a house or wants a house, guess who they're gonna think of? It's you, because you're the only ones that's out there doing it. So you've got, a, you've got, the, you've got the opportunity to be that, be that person. Well, what, what, what if you have people that say, everyone else is doing it, loads of people out there are doing it right now, uh, you know, uh, how do you stand out? How, how do you become original? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, good question. But again, I don't, I don't believe it, first of all. I don't believe that that is a problem, but I know it's a big fear. So how I would deal with that, if you've wanted to do something different, you've just got to think outside the box and think about entertainment as well as education. It would be a good one. A lot of the time, if, if you have got someone in your niche that's doing something similar to you, I guarantee it's all educational. Try and go down an entertainment route. You know, Try and create some content that's a little bit more engaging, a little bit more entertaining. But again, I'm gonna go back to my original point. That's not the case. There are so many more people out there um, ready to watch it than this one person is showing their content to. If you've got someone in your market that's doing a videos and you're like, oh, they, everyone knows he's already doing it. No, a tiny percentage of your market know that he's doing it. And the other 95% of your market are ready for you to come in and, and do it as well. Also, you are unique as a human being. Yeah, your your, your slant sure. on the same thing could yeah. be something that appeals exactly. to different people in different ways. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think exactly. that as well. So doing what you do for a living, how do you get motivated and inspired? You know, What is it for you that kind of gets you going? You said earlier on that you kind of, you, you really fell in love with marketing. Yeah. Do you see your future just doing this? Do you see your future changing and doing other things? Well, the first thing is I, I love doing what I'm doing. So it's easy for me to get up and do it every day because I love it. Like I live and breathe it. I don't just help people sell stuff. I buy stuff all the time as well. So I'm not addicted to like sales funnels. If I see a sales funnel, if I see someone offering a lead magnet, I'm giving them my information just to see what they're up to. And I'll go through the thing and buy everything that they've got to offer so I can see the process. You know, one of my sort of guilty pleasures is late night shopping channels. I can sit on a late night shopping channel and just buy stuff. Their funnels are great, right? Because they're paying a lot of cost to be on the shopping channel. So they, their monetization on the back end is like, is awesome. You know, they're selling, the, the amount of junk that I've had delivered So I mean, you, you're on a TV channel. I'm on a TV you channel. You bought something, I don't know, an alarm clock. Alarm okay, clock, yeah. once the alarm clock's been delivered, you mean the funnel that follows after that? Yeah, so normally always a phone call. Well, first of all, they'll do other other little things that are added on to your offer if you want. So when you first buy this, oh yeah, and just for an extra $29, you can add this. I think, oh, that's a cool idea. That's called a bump online. And then you'll get a phone call and then they'll offer you all of these other services, you know, or packages or whatever on the back end. And I'm just fascinated by that sort of stuff. So I'm passionate about it. But what really, I mean, what motivates me really is just getting to the end, getting to the end of my life and not looking back and thinking I didn't do what I should have done. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing that motivates me. So I want to make sure that I'm always, I'm always pushing myself. I'm always trying to help my customers more. We're always getting out there. We're always trying to grow, you know, because if we're not doing that, you know, I, I'm just terrified of getting to the end. I was like, oh, I wish I did that. Tell, I I did that. tell me about an industry or a company that represented the biggest challenge to you? Yeah, it had to be, I mean, it's gotta be events really, events, I'd say. Events are, are the most challenging because there's a lot of, in the, in the UK anyway, yeah? Because a, a lot of my clients, big chunk of my clients are event guys. They do events, seminars. How to, you know, invest in property, how to whatever, motivational type events, you know? But the, the, the competition's so fierce, so, one of the biggest challenges always for us is that is that market. And we had a client come to us who was probably in one of the most competitive markets out of them all. And we needed to we needed to find a way for them to be original and stand out. You know, this and this, this was definitely the case for this guy. Because there was 10, 20 other companies doing exactly the same thing, all targeting London, for instance, which isn't really a big place when you've got that many people trying to advertise to the same person. So it was, you know, it was coming up with creative ideas for the actual ad, for the actual creative. You know, what um, really good awareness videos can we create that's just content that are gonna be really good? So for instance, we, it was in property, you know, how to invest in property. So what we decided to do was have the guy go around all of his deals, you know, all of the, all of the um, projects that he was working on right now, go round, go round with your camera and show him the deal. Tell him, talk him through the deal. We just purchased this for X, it cost us this much. This is what we're gonna do for it, all right? It's a HMO, so we're gonna turn it into however many flats. This is how much they're all gonna rent for. This is how much we're gonna profit at the end of it. And that was it, and it stopped there, and that video went out. And sure enough, people were sharing, people were commenting, how do you do this, how do you do this? We're already getting people like wanting to know how to do it. And obviously he's got a seminar, a course on how to do it, which was brilliant. And then we got him doing it again and again and again. And what happened is it positioned him first of all, because the biggest, the biggest challenge a lot of the time in, in, in someone's mind is 
is this guy for real? It's the trust factor, right? You know, everyone's out there doing it. Is this just some sort of scam? Is he just wanting, does he just want my money to, for him to teach me something he's read out of a book? So what we're doing is we're showing the market that first of all, he actually does it and he knows what he's talking about. But more importantly, showing them the possibilities that they could have if they did it. That's the biggest challenge is always coming up with creative ideas like that. And that guy's in his 50s or maybe even 60s. Yeah. So was producing content a big fear for him as well? Uh, yeah, because before that, he'd never done anything. Yeah. You know, he, he, he was a successful property investor. Um, he ended up creating a book. But yeah, he'd never done anything like that before. And it's just worked wonders for him. He's doing three events a month now. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay, a lot of people want to know how to create leads. I want leads, I want leads. Okay, you do events for me. Yeah. Okay, can we just talk through the process that you use, okay, when it comes to putting together an event for me? You say it's challenging to do that anyway. A lot of people want to create seminars. They don't know how to get the people in the room. Mm -hmm. So get, I, obviously I know some of it. For the benefit of the audience, could we just go through a step-by-step -step process quickly over the next five minutes, yeah. okay, about what exactly it is that you do? So, Matt, can you do me a favor? I want 250 people, uh, this type of people, to attend an event, okay, in four weeks' time in yeah. Dubai, where I'll be talking about my Make It Happen University. Yeah, okay. cool. Bang, go. So, the first thing we'd have to do, the first thing you've got, you've got to do is create a page, obviously. The first thing you've got to do is create a really well-written sales page for the event. So, you know, headline, video of you, would be great. A video top. advert of me video, talking about the event. This is on the page, yeah. So a video on the page of you selling the event. First of all, it has to be a free event, you know, in my opinion. If you're going into a market and you want to do an event, unless you're really, really established, really established, and you've got a right to charge people money to come and view, you've got to do it for free. And then and then sell at that event. You know, you've got to lower that barrier of entry. You've got to allow that objection of price and trust to be lowered. So more people will first of all register and come. Because once you get them in the room and you've got them for a day, then you can sell to them. Yeah. So it's got to be free. We build a page um, and it's got to have a good video of you selling the event, all right? Big pains in your market. You know, have you ever faced this problem? Do you struggle with this and this? Well, listen, next month on this day, I'm going to be doing an event where I'm going to show you exactly how to solve those problems. All right. It's completely free of charge. All you've got to do is click the button below and register. Yeah. So a page like that, basically. That's got to be in place. Then what we'll do is we'll have to create some sort of, uh, again, content around what you're going to cover at the event, all right, in, in the form of video. So we'll create some videos, some little how-to videos. It goes back to the awareness campaign that we spoke about. We're going to use these videos to let people, first of all, know that you exist uh, and your company exists and your event exists, yeah? So we're going to create like three or four two three minute videos are really a key so two to three minute videos teaching one specific point around your market the goal of these isn't to get them to register for your event remember the goal of these videos is to qualify them for an ad to come to your event yeah so can you with certain say that someone that watches this video would be interested in your event that's the key thing you've got to keep in mind so make sure it's specific to what you're going to teach uh, and it also positions yourself then what we're going to do is we're going to take all the people that watch that content, we're now going to show them an ad. So now we need to create an ad. Now an ad needs to be a lot more direct, obviously. It needs to be a lot more. So this is when you get your salesmanship on. With the content, you don't have to worry. Actually, you don't actually think about selling. And your, your content will be so much better if, you, if you've got no agenda of a sale at the end of it. But for an ad, we now need to turn on our salesmanship and say, right, what do, what do I need to tell these people to get them to click and go and register for the event? So again, big, the, the easiest way to do it is just like sales 101, right? It's just making them aware of problems, problems that you're gonna solve, mm -hmm. all right? So positioning problems, all right? Do you find that you're always struggling with this, which in, in turn leads to this happening, all right? Have you ever found that blah, 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 and you're just listing their problems, and they're like, and you're trying to find that itch that itch, that problem they've got that just won't go away, you know? So you're, you're labeling problems and then bang, you might hit one and they think, yeah, I have that problem. And you say, right, well, my name's Spencer Lodge and on the this X day, I'm gonna be running an event where I'm gonna help solve that problem for you. I'm gonna be teaching you a few different ways that you can overcome that, which will then mean, and then you give them the result, which is what they want. And then you that, that drives them to the page <coughs> where they register. So it's, 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 that's, that's as simple as it can be, really. You know, It's awareness, it's an ad, 
and then it's a, a page that gets them to actually register. Okay, so hold on a minute. So I've got this page, I've got this ad. Uh, I want to know now who, I, who I'm going to advertise to. Mm-hmm. So the step before, yeah? So the step before the awareness campaign. So the easiest way to find an audience is to build a customer avatar, really. If you go to EinsteinMarketer.com and, and look at our avatar, just type in the search bar avatar, customer avatar. It will give you a really good way of how to come up with like a customer demographic. But a few things that you can do is look at your existing audience and you want age. Age is always a good one to have in there. Uh, what they're interested in. So try and dive into their minds. What books do they read is a good one. What books do they read? What people do they follow? What famous people do they follow? For instance, that's a good one. Business, are they in business? You whack that in there. And you're basically putting all these things into Facebook and Facebook are building an audience for you. So you're saying, right, small small business, business, entrepreneurship, marketing, for instance. You might be selling wedding dresses, as an example. Yeah, let's, get, let's, let's completely switch it up. Let's say that you're advertising, uh, you're selling wedding dresses. Well, you're not gonna target men, you know, because it's the last thing men think about, right? <laughs> you, what you're gonna do is you're gonna target women, and guess what you can target on Facebook? Relationship status. Engaged women would probably be a good place to go to sell wedding dresses. That's, that's a really good example to use, how specific it can be. Mm-hmm. If I'm selling wedding dresses, I want women who are engaged. That's all I need, yeah? So just have a really good think about who your market is, make a good list of all of the things they're interested in, books they read, websites they might visit, all of this information, all of it can go into creating you a really good specific audience on Facebook. Okay, good, understood. We're here in Marybelle skiing, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's good that we're getting this kind of content down because people ask these types of questions over and over again, yeah. and um, it, people worry about how much it costs to work with a company like yours. Mm-hmm. They've obviously got to have an advertising budget, mm-hmm. and so if they've got an advertising budget, they then need to know how much it's going to cost to work with a company like yours. How much do companies in your space usually charge, and how, and how do you go about charging? They all charge differently. You know, some people, some agencies will charge per lead. Uh, agencies like mine charge a percentage of the marketing budget. My best advice, if you anyone's looking at hiring someone to do it, my best advice, make sure they always do a test. Anytime we take a client on, we will never charge up front for anything until we know it's gonna work. So what we'll do, we literally just finished a successful one today actually, uh, for a company in Ireland that's selling these, these little water filtration pellets. And what we said was, look, we have we do a three hundred pound test. You give us three hundred quid to spend on ads. None of that goes to us. We'll build everything out for you. Three hundred pounds test, yeah. Which is anyone can afford to lose three hundred pounds to find if something's going to make them a million, right? Uh, and then after that test is done, they should then come back to you and be able to give you a really good forecast moving forward of your return on investment. That's all you've got to look at, because marketing agencies they all should make you money. So you know, for instance, I know that if my client is spending 10 grand a month, but I then, out of my efforts, make him 20 grand a month. He's the next month, he's going to give me 15 grand mm-hmm. without fail, and then 20, and then 30. So you got to look at it as, a, as an investment, but you first got to make sure you're going to get your return on investment. So you've got to make sure that they're going to do some sort of test. All right, how do I know that if I give you, because most agencies won't work with you unless you've got a decent wedge to spend. If you've got a decent, you know, you're going to have to be spending you know, a couple of grand potentially, you know, anything less than that, you can do it yourself anyway, right? So if I'm gonna give you a marketing agency, if I'm gonna give you a marketing agency five grand a month, let's say, and I'm not doing that straight off the bat, you know, because that's risky, but a lot of agencies will say that. Say, yep, yeah, well give us five grand and let's cross our fingers and hope it works. What you need to know is you need to have some sort of forecast from them of what that five grand is gonna return for you, which is why you should, they should always run some sort of small test. Give us 500 quid, all right? We'll see how much that 500 quid makes us. The company we've just done this for, the 300 pounds that they gave us resulted in, I think it was about 310, 320, which is a really good start for me. But based on with that budget, if we can get it to at least break even or just over, I know for a fact, so now what I'll do is go back to them with a forecast. I know for a fact that I can optimize what I'm doing to get them in decent profit. You know, look to return them, hopefully double their money. You know, so, but again, we did that for it. So it was no risk to them. They've, they've made their money back, that 300 quid, they've made that back anyway. Yeah, just. They haven't made a lot of profit yet, but now they know based on my forecast, right, if you give me five grand, 
you're going to get seven back. It's probably going to be something like that, yeah? Profit. Mm-hmm. So, so just it, whenever you're looking for guys, just make sure that they do that. And make sure you're certain that you're going to get some sort of return. Okay, understood. Now, just, just a bit about your personal life, because people won't necessarily know your backstory. Yeah. Working class kid. Oh, yeah. Big yeah, family, big five, family. four brothers and sister. Yeah, four brothers and a sister, yeah. So, big family, yeah. working class, out yeah. of school into a factory. Uh, out of school, my first job out of school was straight on the building site, what, yeah, a labourer. Then roofing, did roofing for a couple of years, which was, uh, that was, that was hardcore, man. Driving up to London in the back of a transit van, saws and chainsaws hanging round your head, pitch black, in the back of a transit van. Did that for about two years, 27 pounds a day, that was. Used to get picked up at half five in the morning, dropped off about seven or eight at night. It was hard graft, you know. But it, but it, um, but it, but it taught me about hard work, like what hard work really is. Yeah, you know. So, so I never moan about going to work and being stressed and doing a lot. You know, I know what real hard, hard work, work is. is yeah. When you come back and you can't move because your back's hurting. And then, and then you went to a factory. Then I went to a factory. So what happened was, yeah, I used to get in a bit of trouble as a kid. You know. Um, you know, it was a bit of a rough area, so I used to get in a bit of trouble, bit of, you know, a few scraps, trouble with the police, things like that. Living with my mum and dad at the time. I was 19 and, and uh, my girlfriend was pregnant with our first kid. I've got three children and uh, she was pregnant with Ben. Got in trouble with the police. Mum and dad basically aiming an automate and they said, look, you go and work, you've got to go and work for your dad, get a real job, work for your dad, uh, or you're out of the house, basically. So that, 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 and your dad was in the factory? My dad was in the factory, yeah. My dad was like the man at the factory, so... I said, okay, well, yeah, I'll have to. And he, my dad got me a job at this factory. It was a machine operator, these big four-story machines that made like plastic film. You know, 12-hour shift, days and nights, it was really hot in there. Uh, but that's where I really learned about work ethic as well, because my dad, I used to look at my dad, and he wasn't a manager at the time when I first started, but he used to work so hard. What I noticed about the people around him were they would follow him and do as he and respect him because of how hard he worked. So he almost led. He taught me about leading by example. So then, when he he finally got the um, uh, managerial role, even when he was actually a, like a, a shift manager, he used to come down and none of the other managers got out of their office. So and I and I obviously was one of the lads. So I knew their feelings towards the managers. They're like, ah, oh, what does he know up there in his office? It was that. Whereas when the old man started doing it, he'd come down, get his hands dirty with everyone. So they they just respect completely complete respect and loyalty for a man because he led by example. You know, mm-hmm. none of them could ever say, "What do you know?" You're sitting up in your office because he'd come down and outwork everybody, which taught me like in life now. It's how I do it now. You know, that's how I work in my office now. I make sure I'm leading by example. I make sure no one in my in my uh, that works underneath me can say they work harder than me. No one works harder than me, <laughs> and I learned that from old man. And in the factory was actually where I um where I sort of got into all of the you know, motivational type stuff and sales stuff. So I come across a guy called Tony Robbins, a lot of you guys know Tony Robbins. All these books that I started reading, like you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a big one, Think and Grow Rich, As a Man Thinketh, all of these type. Napoleon and, Hill, yeah. Yeah, Napoleon Hill, and it just, um, it started changing my mindset, and I was like, wow, this is like, this, this stuff's crazy. And, it, and then I started like, you know, going into the more sort of business type stuff. So right, okay, so how do you run one of these business things? Uh, and started reading books about business, you know, like Richard Branson. The first business book I ever read was his uh, autobiography, um, Losing My Virginity. Yeah, great book, yeah. Started learning all this stuff. And all of them, because uh, I can remember in our factory, we had to wear um, we had to wear earplugs in our factory. You had to, had to. If you got caught without your earplugs on, you get bollocking. And um, you, get, re- you mean you get in trouble? Yeah, sorry, you get in trouble, yeah. You get in trouble. And uh, these earplugs were like, they were orange and blue. So they're like orange and blue, uh, blue here and they had blue wires. Well, I was, I was just using this, these 12 hour shift, I was using to like educate my mind and like invest in, my, invest in myself. So I was listening to like Tony Robbins um, uh, tape pack, you know, his old, his old school, like personal power. I had it on an, iP- an iPod. And uh, what I did was, so that I could listen to it all the time, I painted my, my headphones, I painted them orange and blue. So I painted the wires blue and then the, the buds orange and blue. So when my foreman, the, the boss, the guy above my dad, he'd, he'd do his rounds walking down and I'm at my station, he'd look over and he'd see that I'd have my, my earplugs in, but really I'm rocking out to Tony Robbins. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then got into like, this is how I led into sales then, because everyone, all I kept hearing about business was, the one skill you've got to learn is how to sell. I kept hearing that again and again. 
So then it was like, well, I need to get a sales job then. I then need to learn how to sell. So again, I used that time and I was I literally listened to every, pretty much every sales training I could get on audio at the time. Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Tom Hopkins, uh, Jordan Belfort, all of these guys that did sales training, you weren't around back then, so I couldn't listen to yours. Um, I was listening to them while I was working. So I was working, earning money, but educating myself on what I did. So that, and then that's when I left and got into sales, which led to marketing and all that stuff. T- tell me about becoming a dad at the age of 19 and how that kind of shaped you in terms of your career. Did, 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 did massive responsibility come with that and make you, you know, stop and say, hold on a minute? Yeah, absolutely it did, Jeff. Well, first of all, yeah, it made me sort myself out. Because I think a lot of kids, a lot of, you know, guys that I hung around with back then, they had kids as well, you know. But, but I, I, I saw firsthand when, when, what happens if you go the other way. You know, I saw what happens to them and more importantly, the kids. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going that way. You know, so I'm going this way. I'm working hard and I'm, I'm going to support my family. So it was, yeah, massive responsibility, but huge pressure as well, which is good. I think I've always performed better under pressure because then obviously a few a few years later, when I got, I remember when I left the factory, I was, uh, you know, on a, on a fairly decent wage for the UK. I was, I was 20, 21, and I was doing 30, 30 plus grand a year. Which in the which is good in the UK, especially for someone like I'd never thought I'd make that much money. You know, thirty plus grand. I was working long shifts and stuff, but then I left to do a to get the sales job. Sales jobs twelve grand basic. Yeah, everyone thought I was absolutely crazy. We just got our first place, which was a, an apartment at the time. Got a mortgage on it. Obviously, just had Ben. Ben's only one at the time. All my family just thought I was mad. Because I'm leaving this firm. You were your job. wife as well. Oh, oh, absolutely. They just thought I was crazy. They, but they couldn't talk me out of it. They know once I've got my mind on that, they can't talk me out of it. But I, I was sure. I was a hundred percent certain. And this is the thing for anyone listening and watching at home. You know, if you're certain about your ability, just go with it. Because you're always going to get people talk you out of it. They're only doing it because they care about you. You know, my nan and granddad cried when I told them that. That's how much it, it, they were scared for me. They cried. They, they, and it was like so depressing. I was like, bloody hell, you don't need to cry. I'm gonna be all right. I can sell. Because I'd learned, I'd learned, mate. I was, I was, I was already in my mind. I'd never sold before, but I, I'd studied it so much. I was like, I'm ready. Do you remember? Do you remember then your first, your first month in sales? Yeah. And uh, did it go to plan? Got went to plan. Broke, broke, broke records. Oh, he did. I, I broke records. Okay, because yeah. most people it doesn't. No, I it? broke records. I went in. I was. I, I closed more deals than any new person ever in that company uh, in the first. And by month six, by month six, I was a top salesman. And they had me training sales staff. And how old? And how much were you earning then? Uh, so my best year as a salesperson, I probably earned about ninety grand at that place. And then uh, went, 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 at six months, and then afterwards went 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 above. But that was like six months after I left. So, um, but yeah, but the twelve. How long, how long did it take then the family to be convinced it was the right thing? Oh no, they were they were convinced straight away. A lot of their talk was trying to talk me out of it. Once it was done, they was just like, well, he's done it now. But yeah, they all started coming around and it was almost like, yeah, I told you so, you know, that <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it, 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 was, it, was, it was the pressure of that. Because once I, I remember, because once I left and I was on 12 grand basic, uh, Emily got pregnant again. So then I had another kid. There was no other way. I was either earning 12 grand and not feeding my family or I had to smash it, you know, and do really well. You're not advocating that everyone has teenage children, though, yeah? No, no, yeah, definitely don't. Don't do that. No, definitely don't do that. Once I eventually left to, you know, chase the marketing side of things, took a massive pay cut because I weren't getting commission from sales anymore. So I took a big pay cut then, and then she got pregnant again. I had my third one on the way. And I was just like, oh, my God, that, that, the worst time it could happen. So I thought, do I go back to selling? Do I go back to what I know for a little bit more security? Or do I just follow through with this and try and make this work? So yes, I've always had, I've always had that pressure. I think pressure's good. I, th- I do think pressure's good though. When your back's against the wall, you'll be surprised what you're capable of. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. You come, you come but out fighting. Better, yeah. But a lot of people don't like, don't like getting there. They're like, I oh, know, I'll take this route out rather than being in a corner. Just let yourself get in the corner every now and then, and see what happens. You'll come out swinging most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, thank you so much for coming to join me on mate, the show. Thanks for having me, mate. Tell me, uh, how do people get hold of you? What do they look for? EinsteinMarketer.com, check that out. You know, any of you guys, before you even like come to me for help, just check out our blog, honestly, it's fantastic. You've got loads of stuff on there that will teach you pretty much anything you want to know. Uh, add me on Instagram, at Matty Wilson, M-A-T-Y Wilson. Um, and yeah, yeah, all my details are on Einstein Markets. So if you do want to inquire or contact me, just do it for EinsteinMarketer.com. And if people want to follow you on YouTube? YouTube is Matt Wilson Motivation on YouTube. 
Okay, so we're going to check out some of the Matt with one T. I'm Matt with one T. So there you have it, my interview with Matt Wilson. I really hope you enjoyed it. And uh, number one, it was worth the time. Uh, and you learned a lot more about Matt's story, his industry. And it made you feel a bit better about the fact that you could probably do a lot of what Matt does if you were just to apply yourself uh, in these particular areas. So a little more about this interview and how it came about. You know, I first met Matt about two years ago and I was introduced to him when I needed somebody to help uh, create leads for me online. And from the first, the very first phone conversation I had with him, I knew this guy had something. Everything we talked about is that was possible. I've tried this, I've tried that. And he went through some different examples with me. And uh, and then I decided to become a client of Matt's. And Matt's been running my event management, so my online strategy in terms of advertising, creating audiences for my events. He helped increase my audience online so I could engage with more people. But going through the interview, what I thought was really interesting was learning about Matt's backstory, you know, understanding that he was just one of these guys in sales, you know, worked in a factory, left the factory for a big pay cut to go and work in a commission-based environment. And then being in a commission-based environment, bear in mind, he was, his wife was pregnant, so scary times. And then also having to convince his boss after he understood the cold calling industry, convince his boss that maybe there were better ways. He was fascinated with the whole Google SEO and online pay-per-click lead industry. And he asked his boss to lend him a thousand quid, said, lend me a thousand quid. I want to try something. Can you let me try it? The boss let him try it. And before they knew it, they were generating massive amounts of leads through PPC and SEO work. So really interesting in that backstory, how he was just, just a simple guy like many of us, didn't know much about it, was actually very interested in it and being interested in it he then went and you know spent some time testing and that's what you have to do in that world uh, so that he could learn how he could bring value to his business Three key takeaways, I think, are number one, understand that it doesn't matter where you came from. There are things that you can do if you're willing to apply yourself. Another key takeaway is understanding really that the power of using social media to generate marketing and sales opportunities is absolutely phenomenal. And also the fact that if you do produce valuable content on a consistent basis that's in context, you will be able to build an audience just like he has with Einstein Marketer, his very successful business. If you've enjoyed this podcast, if you've got any feedback at all, drop me a note via social media. Okay, you know what my handles are. Okay, you can get hold of me on Spencer.Lodge on Instagram. If you want to get hold of me on Facebook, it's Spencer Lodge Official. I'll go to Spencer Lodge, make it happen on YouTube. You'll find me there. I'd love to hear anything you have to say. You may have learned or started applying from this or any of the other episodes. If you're feeling extra generous with your time, you know, here I'm asking again, okay, a five-star review or comments on SoundCloud or anywhere that you see this podcast would really help grow the podcast and get it out to more listeners. Coming up in the next episode is my interview with uh, Dance FM that I did about, I think, four or five weeks ago now. And they asked me to talk about New Year's resolutions, what you can do in the new year and how you can be successful in 2019. And I went in there and you know, there's a lot of these people that go on to, uh, onto the radio, get a bit nervous, don't really share the information that's really valuable for the, for the listener. But for me, it's like, look, this is how it has to be. This is what people need to do. You know, and I look forward to sharing that with you on the next episode. But until then, thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you again in the next episode of the Spencer Lodge podcast.